You are listening to Rubber Manet, where words do remain. What happens when a judge sentences an innocent person to jail? Should the criminal justice system aim for rehabilitation or retribution? With one of the highest incarceration rates in the developed world, the American criminal justice system cannot afford to get it wrong. And yet it does, more often than you might think. Welcome to another episode of the podcast series Right the Wrongs. Every Wednesday and Friday, Right the Wrongs raises public awareness on pressing human rights issues and creates an incubator of activism. Today, we'll be talking about the victims of justice in the US. John Jerome White was at the tender age of 19 years when the Georgia judge sentenced him to life plus 40 years in prison for breaking into a 74-year-old woman's home and raping her. Exonerated after more evidence surfaced with further DNA testing years later, he walked free in a state that does not have laws to compensate the wrongfully convicted upon their release from prison. He was 48 years old then. Another person was charged with a crime. White is one of 2,810 men and women since 1989 who have been wrongfully convicted of crimes in the United States, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. The loss of innocent lives amounts to over 25,600 hours behind bars. And yet the damage does not stop at the moment of exoneration. Many are knocked into completely different lives with repercussions for their families and friends. In Oregon, Luke Wakala was sentenced to life in prison with a possibility of parole in connection with the killing of a home invader. He was acquitted following a second trial this year in April after serving eight years in prison. He has lost his house and his wife has left him. Marquita Johnson was sentenced for 496 days behind bars for failing to pay a traffic ticket in Alabama nine years ago, and the impact of a prison time on her life endure till today. Johnson's three children were cast into foster care while she was incarcerated. One daughter was molested, state records show. Another was physically abused. My girls will never be the same, said Johnson, now 36. However, what happened to the judges who sentenced the innocent? According to Reuters, nine out of every ten judges were allowed to return to the bench after they were sanctioned for misconduct. Most states afford judges accused of misconduct a gentle kind of justice and this is the most prominently exemplified in Alabama. As in most states, Alabama's nine-member Judicial Inquiry Commission is a mix of appointed lawyers, judges, and laypeople. Their deliberations are secret, and they operate under some of the most protective rules in the nation. Alabama's rules make even filing a complaint against a judge difficult. The complaint must be notarized, which means that in theory, anyone who makes misstatements about the judge can be prosecuted for perjury. Complaints about wrongdoing must be made in writing. Those that arrive by phone, email, or without a notary stamp are not investigated, although senders are notified why their complaints have been summarily rejected. Anonymous written complaints are shredded. Meanwhile, 36 states in the District of Columbia have laws that provide financial compensation to those who have been wrongfully convicted, but 14 states do not have any such laws in place. Obtaining such compensation is often difficult and re-traumatizing, as many states define the eligibility for such compensation so narrowly 
that the victims of justice need to go through yet another round of proving their innocence. Coupled with other competing budget items that have wider visibility in the electoral interest, the funding for righting the wrong is often diverted away from those to whom justice is long overdue. Over the past 30 years, the prison population in the US has increased by 3.4 times, while the crime rate in the country is the lowest seen in decades. Although in 2019, the nationwide incarceration rate has decreased to 810 prison or jail inmates for every 100,000 adult residents aged 18 and older, the lowest since 1995, an estimated 2.1 to 2.3 million prisoners still puts America at the top of incarceration rates worldwide, and the only developed country in the top 10. Moreover, 76.6% of offenders reoffend within five years of being released from prison. Thus, the cost of pleading guilty until proven innocent is exorbitant in the US due to the psychological impact of retribution, especially a wrongful one. This also raises the question of whether the criminal justice system should aim for punishment for the sake of repaying the losses and compensating the victimized, or re-education and rehabilitation. Each model entails a different conception of justice. The former assumes justice is achieved through a measurable correction of past and existing injustice, while the latter places less obsession with rectifying the past wrongs, but rather aims to prevent and preempt future injustice. Until the mid-1970s, rehabilitation was a key part of US prison policy. Prisoners were encouraged to develop occupational skills and provided with psychological counselling for problems such as substance abuse or aggression that might interfere with their reintegration into society. Indeed, many inmates received court sentences that mandated treatment for such problems. Since then, however, rehabilitation has taken a backseat to get-tough-on-crime approaches that see punishment as prison's main function. The approach has created explosive growth in prison populations, while at most having a modest effect on crime rates. After years of steady growth, the US federal prison population peaked under President Obama and started declining, a downward trend that continued under the Trump administration. Obama oversaw a Justice Department initiative to give people convicted of low-level crimes shorter prison sentences, in addition to using his powers of clemency more frequently than other presidents. The number of federal inmates fell by 15,000 during the Obama administration, the largest absolute fall recorded under any US president. However, more than 90% of American inmates are locked up in state prisons and local jails, which are subjected to the state supervision or oversight. With Biden's focus on criminal justice reform for racial and socioeconomic parity, redemption and rehabilitation, we can only hope for fewer innocent lives behind bars, and more convicted, paying only what they fairly deserve to make the society better off as a whole. That's all for today's episode. Feel free to engage with us on Facebook and Instagram, and join us for further discussions on our Telegram group, or leave us a comment at theverbamanitpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was written by Tanfei, voiced by Mason, produced by Isabella, and brought to you by Right the Wrongs on the Verbamanit. The next episode of Right the Wrongs will air on Wednesday. You can find the program wherever you find your podcasts, bringing you detailed updates on pressing human rights issues. Till next time, take care.